Welcome to episode 15 of Entrepreneur Life with me, Joel Campbell, and I am an entrepreneur. Let's start on a huge positive today. It's Tuesday morning, it's 8.30. I should be recording a podcast on Friday as always. <laughs> no, no, it's Tuesday morning, it's 8.30. We have recruited successfully a marketing manager. Hey, round of applause, please. Paul, just chuck in some, uh, some, uh, 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 some applause, some, some cheering, thank you. Okay, right, so yes, we have employed a marketing manager. It is great news, I am absolutely, uh, I'd say over the moon, I'm happy. Uh, I am really happy, but actually, I think I was really pleased with the interviews and the whole process that we went through in the interviews, but also the quality of the candidates that we had. I'm, I'm going to talk about that in a second and, and tell you what it was that I was so pleased about and so impressed about as well. And also how I think things are now changing for, for a positive in, in that journey. So I'm going, to, I'm going to come back to that in a second. I am fucking knackered. I'll, I'll be honest, I am really, really tired. Now it's my own doing, and, and, and there are reasons for this. So, on at, at the moment, as, as you know, I talk about it a lot. We've got, we've, you know, we have got a nice house. It's a, it's a house that's built for the summer outside. We've got a decent sized garden. We've got a, um, a, a pool which is heated, so it's lovely. We've got, you know, nice lounge chairs. It's just a really nice tranquil, peaceful and fun setting in the countryside. It's very safe in the sense of, you know, there's not loads of people around, kids can run freely. It's very secure in the sense of, again, it's, you know, got that, got that um, element around it. There's no sort of real danger, drowning. Um, uh, but yeah, it, so it's a really nice setting. So in the summer, it's a lovely place to entertain. It's one of the reasons why we bought the house because we wanted to be able to entertain people and have people over, friends and family, and, and just hang out with people. Um, it's also got the, the thing in the winter as well. We can do the same thing, although it is a bit cold, um, uh, inside, because it's a good size. But anyway, so we're, we're in the summer, obviously the sun's out, the heat's out, we've got the pool open, so we're just inviting people around. We kind of just have an open house on a uh, sort of a Friday afternoon, evening, all day Saturday, and, and throughout most of Sunday. I kind of like to get Sunday evening back to myself a little bit, just so I can prep for the week ahead. Um, but yeah, so, you know, from Friday afternoon all the way through to, through to uh, you know, Sunday afternoon, um, we just have an open house and we just sort of say to people, if you want to come on over, have some food, have some drink, go for a swim, just hang out. Some, whatever you want to do, you know, the house is open, crack on, basically. If you want to stay, you can do. If you want to stay in the house, it's fine. If you want to stay in the garden, it's fine. Obviously, in tents. Um, you know, no worries. Bring your kids, bring, you know, whatever you want. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, so we, so, we, so we did that a few weeks ago, and it was great. And there was like 20 of us, and we were up quite late. And then we did it on uh, Saturday, just gone. But what happened Saturday was just so, just per chance. It was one of those weekends where, everyone was away so we were like wow it's just going to be us um and it was throughout the whole day it was, it was just me and emma and the kids and it, it was really nice we just sort of hanging out i did a little bit of work um uh and then we were sort of just just hanging out and then stacy and lauren came over at six o'clock 
Um, so I thought, well, that's, you know, it'd be a, be a few hours because, you know, uh, Lauren's like in her 50s now. Um, so, so I thought, well, you know, we won't be up that late. And um, we had some food. I did a barbecue. We had some food. And then I, I put the good dye out. So we just sort of sat around the fire. And then it, we must have been about 12. It must have been about midnight, quarter past 12. And Lauren turned around to me and said, how do you swim? at this time because obviously we've, we've been swimming before at night time and, and Lawrence knows we've done that so she, how do you swim at this time and I was it, it's really simple Lauren we take the pool cover off and we get in the pool and she was like but it's dark and I was like yeah she went, well how do you see and I was like see what and she went where you're going and I well I know which way up is like that's all I need to know and she was she was like well I said do you want to get in the pool and she was like yeah all right so at half 12, Emma was funny enough to put the kids to bed. And at half 12, we got changed and went to go in the pool, at which point the kids realized we were going in the pool. So they got changed and got in the pool with us. So at half 12 on a Saturday night, me, Emma, Delaney, Jonah, Lauren, Stacy, all went for a swim. Um, and it was lovely. It was 28 and a half degrees, I think, 29 degrees in the pool. You could see the steam coming off it where it was warmer than the, than the outside air temperature. And it was really nice. We, we did that for, for, for a little while. Then <laughs> we went in the hot tub. And the long story is, um, or the short story, I should say, is we, we kind of went to bed at four o'clock. Um, we drank a fair bit as well, it's fair to say. So yeah, I had maybe, I don't know, six hours sleep um, it, through to the Sunday and I was up and about on my day Sunday so that was fine um, and then yesterday which was Monday we went over to some friends in the village for a games night which I really enjoy I love playing board games and so, so does Emma and so do the kids so we went there we just, it was just an easy evening we were like yeah six o'clock you know, back by ten type of stuff ended up getting back just gone midnight um, and again I was up this morning at seven so you know I didn't get to bed till one I'm a bit tired. I, I bring it on myself. I get it. And, and here's, here's one of the reasons why. Every week, my phone gives me a report about my screen time. <clears throat> and I'm not going to tell you how much time on average I spend on a day on my screen. I'm not going to tell you. But what I'm trying to work on at the moment as part of my health is I'm very aware that, you know, how much time I absorb in my phone is probably unhealthy. There's a point, a tipping point, I think it's quite a low amount of time where it becomes unhealthy. So I'm really trying to limit and reduce, I should say, reduce my screen time per day on my phone. And last week I was down 19%, which is really good. Um, so I'm going to continue to try and do that and just squeeze it down percent by percent by percent by percent. And one of the things is about spending more time with people because I'm very conscious that when I'm hanging out with people, I just put my phone away. I don't even have it really. I didn't even really know where it was on Saturday evening. Yesterday I didn't use it at all. Um, so it's really nice just sort of hanging around, being with people and stuff like that. If you want to come and hang out on a Friday afternoon, a Saturday or a Sunday, drop us a message. Um, depending on who you are, you may, you may, you may be more than welcome. Um, if you're a random I've never met before, I'm not, I'm not sure you will be. I'll have to check with, with, with Emma. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of that. And that's one of the things I'm trying to work on at the moment is just reducing that uh, amount of time on my screen and also what I'm doing on my, on my screen. So um, kind of a long start to the podcast, but I wanted to start with, with, with that because I think it's important and I, I am consciously trying to improve my mental health, my well-being, and spending more time with other people because that's quite a positive. I find that's quite a, 
um, it, it really helps, um, I think, for mental health because you just get to chat shit generally. But yeah, it's cool. Anyway, right, two interviews. So we interviewed a few people for this role. Um, it wasn't, wasn't a massive amount of people, which is kind of quite common in our world. And we're finding that at the moment as well. And I think part of that is down to, you know, the, the salaries that we pay. I think part of it is down to the industry. I think part of it is down to how we advertise the roles. I think part of it is down to the area that we're in and the specifics that we have for the roles. Um, so there's numerous reasons why I think, you know, those applications, we could get more. But we look for the quality rather than the quantity. That's always a key thing. And recruiting, and it's not my specialty at all, but recruiting is, 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 a, is a really key aspect for us. And we try and get the recruitment really, really right. Because it costs a lot to recruit. Not just getting the person in, the time, the effort it takes, and Shelley and her team and everything that comes with it, but also the training, the development, the embedding. And when you get it wrong, and somebody leaves relatively soon, or they do a bad job, it just costs fucking loads of money. Um, so getting recruitment right and, and getting the right people in is, is uh, you know, absolutely paramount importance to the success of your business. So we did the interviews. Um, <clears throat> now I, I ran these interviews, Lauren sat in with me, but I actually ran these interviews kind of to, to, as, as my replacement, which is, I guess, wouldn't necessarily happen in a traditional world, but I know exactly what I'm looking for, I know where my strengths are, my weaknesses are, so I know how I'm trying to backfill my weaknesses in this role. Um, also, because I'm the CEO, it, it does make some sense. I think if I was just a marketing manager and I was leaving, would it make sense? It is a, is a thought process for you. Anybody out there that's an employer and uh, you know, has staff or uh, line manager staff, if you had one of your staff leaving, would you get them to interview their replacement? It's an interesting one. I'm going to dwell on that for a little bit, I think. So anyway, I digress. Um, well, why wouldn't you? I don't know. Anyway, we'll come back to it. Um, so yeah, did the interviews. And I don't, I, I always do a list of questions, but I don't tend to do too formal an interview because you got them for maybe 40 minutes to an hour tops. And in that time, you know, you're trying to work out, is this a person going to put into our organization to do this role? Have they got the skills, the ability, the knowledge? And will they fit in the team? And those are the big things. And I always look at this based on the idea of a lot of the skills and the knowledge are teachable. Now, obviously I want you to have as much or as many of those skills and knowledge as absolutely possible, because the more skills and knowledge you have, the more, um, uh, understanding you have of what you're going to do and the faster you're going to have an impact in our organisation. But I will always look at the individual first and foremost and look for the right person and the right behaviours and the right attitudes and the right outlooks, the right beliefs, the right focuses before the skills and the knowledge. And that's on the basis, if I had somebody that was one of the world's best marketing managers ever, let's say, and I had somebody that was good, good understanding, understands the industry, kind of knows, well, does know what they're doing, um, but they've got a huge gap between these two people. There is a, a big skill gap or a big knowledge gap. But the first person doesn't have what I would see as the correct or the right, say the right outlook or the right beliefs or the right, uh, the right stuff as he says, um, 
they just potentially, it's not that they might not fit any organization, but they might not fit our organization. One of the key things we always look at, and one of the first questions when people come to work for us is, whether their first question is, how much money is it? Whenever we're speaking to somebody, and we've got people that we know specifically that we speak to and we talk about, you know, with other roles and, you know, both internally and externally, and we say we're going to open up other roles. And I say this to friends as well. I'm like, oh, you know, we're, we're advertising for marketing manager. When the first question is, they say to me, how much money is it? I instantly know that's not the person we want to recruit because for us, and like I say, money shouldn't be the key driver in your job choice. I get why it is a massive fucking driver and I absolutely think it is probably number two, but I don't think it should be number one. That's the way the world is currently built and the world is wrong and that's something I'd like to change. So gonna do it, bit at a time, starting my own organization. Anyway, um, I kind of forget where I was, apologies. Um, so, you know, I would always look for the person and the personality and the focus and the outlook and the beliefs and the behaviors first, because the knowledge and the skills can be taught, but I can't teach you an outlook. I can explain different outlooks to you and such like that, but it's your decision to walk that path. But I can teach you, or I can put you on a course, or I can have other people teach you about social media advertising and how if you run this ad with this specific text, or if you run this kind of um, uh, traffic ad, or if you run this reach ad, or this conversion ad at this part of the funnel, that's what I should convert. And this is how you track it, this is how you monitor it, and this is how you then tweak it to, to, to make a big difference at the bottom. So, you know, all those kind of things can be taught. Um, so yeah, so anyway, so, so interviewing the people, really good people actually. I was really pleased because I knew that we got the sift correct, which is where we sift out all of the initial applicants to interview. I knew we'd done that well because every single person that we saw was had the knowledge and the skills to be able to do the job. Um, what was really hard for us was every single person we saw also had a really good outlook a really good uh, belief system, a really positive attitude, really keen. And I think all of them wanted to work in an organization like ours where they could grow and develop both as an individual, both with the team and also the business with lots of room to scale and grow. And that was really pleasing because they were able to recognize where we are now, where we want to go, and the fact that, that path isn't written, the journey's not written, currently where we are and the destination are, but how we get there, you know, there's a lot of freedom in that approach. So that was really pleasing. I think the bit that stood out for me the most actually, and, and, and it was in the first interview, that when we turned around at the end and said, well, have you got any questions for us? And uh, the first interviewee that, that, that sort of terms, um, yeah, could you explain to me about the culture of the business? And I was like, wow, love you. Brilliant, brilliant question. What a great fucking question. What is the culture of your organization? And I was so pleased because we spent so much time and effort and energy working on the culture of our business from a high level and then trying to embed it throughout the organization. So having somebody ask before they start, what's that culture? was really pleasing because I got to talk about something I love. Um, so I, I told them. And then obviously Lauren, Lauren was able to add, add into that and make sure that you know, I hadn't missed anything and, and along those lines. And I sat with her after the interview. I was like, I, I love that question. I thought that was great. And, and 
I was able to count on like three fingers, including that interview, the amount of times I've been asked that question. And I've done hundreds of interviews and Lauren concurred. She, she had the same thing. Um, so that was great. And then I did another, another interview um, and there was a similar sort of reference to it. Um, I think that person, and, and they may well watch this, um, actually has, has, has seen this podcast, has listened to some of the bits I put out. So I think they were aware already of that process, which was good and, that, and, and what we do. Um, and, then, and then we had you know, the, the, the rest of the interviews. And again, there was, there was an interview um, right at the end, our last interview. And again, we asked the question, got any questions for us? And there was the question, what is the culture? So I got to explain it again. And one of the things they were talking about was their love of the combination between the hybrid working, the flexi time, the four day weeks, um, you know, the growth of the organization in terms of where we want to go from where we are now to, 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 to the expectations and such, that journey. Um, they were really engaged with that. They also asked me, and this, this, this was an interesting question. They said, currently, so they, they must have seen something that I put out on LinkedIn, I assume, or social media, because they said, currently, you're the marketing manager. I'm not sure if I mentioned, I think I did mention the interview, but they, they obviously knew. They said, currently, you're the marketing manager. They knew I had a hat. Um, uh, how are you going to feel? And how are you going to behave when somebody else comes in and starts running that department? Is that going to be a problem for you? <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay, what a question. I was like, that is a great, great question. Am I going to have an issue with somebody else coming in and taking over marketing? And I said to them, in the interest and transparency, I am going to answer your question. I'm going to answer it very honestly. And then I'm going to ask Lauren to answer your question because she may have a very different answer to mine. And that's exactly what happened. I did, I answered their question. Um, I said, I, I, I feel like I won't have an issue with it. I, I actually want it gone because I have taken it as far as I can take it. I know I have no more knowledge or understanding to give to marketing without going and enhancing my learning in that area. And I have no appetite or desire to go and enhance my learning in the industry of marketing. I'm content with what I know. I'm happy with what I know. And from this point forwards, I need somebody else who's better than I am. And therefore, if you're better than I am, I need to give you the trust and the faith that I've put you in that job because you're better than I am at it and just let you do it comes right back to one of the things I said in my earlier podcast, you've bought the dog, let it bark. Um, so yeah, what a great question. And then I hand it over to Lauren, I was a bit more in because I never answer anything you know, with a few words. Um, and I said, Lauren, do you, what do you think? <laughs> Lauren said, and Lauren's comment was she sort of looks up, looks at me, looks at the candidate, looked back at me and I was like, oh fuck, here we go. Um, and she went, I think 95% of what you've said is true. I was like, I'll take that. I'll take 95%. And she, she was honest and she said he, there will be elements he will struggle with, but that's not because of anything to do with marketing. It's because he's very specific and a bit of a perfectionist um, and can't help but get involved. And I think that was right. So yeah, so that was it. But anyway, off the back of the interviews, 
Um, there were some other great questions in there. We did appoint a marketing manager. Um, my expectation is they will start at the beginning of September, because obviously it's, it's got notice periods and stuff like that, which is great. Um, and we can get flowing. So lots of positivity coming out of the back end of last week um, and into this week. There, there is some negativity to it, I guess, and that is we're really, really quiet at the moment. I was actually gonna try and talk a little bit about the, the recession, I've got about eight, eight or nine minutes left, so I might try and just filter into there, but we're actually finding we're quite quiet at the moment in terms of the attractions. So, so the two attractions are definitely down on the base of our projected figures. Now, that's a projection, and it is an ambitious projection for this year, I, you know, I'm first to admit that. But we are down on those projected figures, and when we're looking at it, we've been analysing it a few days last week, analysed it for, for you know, four hours yesterday with Lauren as well, it was a, a long process, we had to really understand where our business is, where it's going, what it's looking like so we can plan. Um, and yeah, it was, it was one of those things that, sort of as we were as we were looking at it, we're trying to establish how much of that is based on us over-projecting, and there is a percentage. How much of it is based on the marketing, and there is a percentage, um, and then again, that comes down to my limitation. Um, and how much of it is down to the, just people's behavior at the moment in time. Um, and again, that's a percentage. So it's about, it's about a third, you know, our, our shortfall, we believe, is split between those three things pretty evenly. Now we can't really affect, um, sorry, I just had a, a text message from somebody that's coming to see me later on, so I just saw that in my watch, it's just throwing me off. Um, we can't really, I mean, we can control the projection change, but that is a projection, so we can reduce that, which will, you know, it doesn't help us on the bottom line in terms of the profit, all it does is just make us more accurate to our projections. So that's fine, we can do that. We can improve the marketing, but at the same time we can't, because we can't improve the marketing with me in place because I don't know any more than I already know, um, and I'm doing everything I know. So outside of bringing in a different external organization to, to do more, which takes time, it's not gonna have an immediate effect. And it probably would be a little bit silly for me to do that with you know three, two to three weeks before a new marketing manager starts, for me to go in and commission a new agency or bring new people in would not be a sensible move. So we've got to ride through where we are. So kind of that's, that's a, another area we can move. But the one I want to just pick up on very quickly is the, is the behavior, is the consumer behavior at the moment. And, and I'm gonna be very honest here, and I'm gonna say a couple of things that I don't think are necessarily 100% appropriate, and I don't think everyone will like, and I, and I hope that my, well, I'm pretty sure Emma will be okay with this, but it, there, there will be a couple of things I'll say as, as we go through here, you'll, you'll see. I think that the, current position with the interest rates increasing and a potential recession looming. And the way the media have portrayed that is really, really damaging to the entire country. And I saw a post, I think it was my mum actually that shared it. And it said, it was a post about saying how um, we're not in a recession, we're being robbed. And that kind of sat with me for a little while and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And, and I was like, how accurate is that? And I saw another post, which was a cartoon drawing of 
you know, loads of workers, loads of kind of like uh, working class that portrayed as working class on their hands and knees. And on top of the working class was a, was a, was a table and they were holding it up. And, uh, and above that was big bags of money on it. And then there was what was supposed to be the upper classes, um, smoking cigars, drinking brandy and holding all and having all this cash on the table. And the caption just said, um, uh, if they stand up, the party's over. I just thought that was really powerful for me as well. And, and where, I'm, where I'm going to go with this is my concern is that the way the media have hyped up the uh, inflation rates, the way they've hyped up the fact that we're going to a recession is scaring people to stop spending. Now, that may be, that is the point, I believe. But it, it's a really dangerous position because what it did for me was it scared me to stop spending. Now, for the last few years, probably the last two and a half to three years, I've not had to worry about what I buy. Now, that doesn't mean I can just go out and buy a Ferrari. Even if I could, I wouldn't. I might buy a boat. Um, but but it, 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 it means that when I go to a shop, I don't have to think about which bag of crisps I buy because of the price. I just buy the one that I think is the nicest or the one that I want. If I go out for a beer, I don't have to think about which bar we go to or what I drink or you know how many drinks I can have. And if we go out for dinner, I don't need to think about whether I have a starter and a main or a main and dessert. I just go, I just want all three and I don't have to worry about the price. My point is, I check my bank account balance to make sure there's no fraudulent activity, but I don't check my bank balance to see what my bank balance is because I don't have to worry about how much money I need to spend. Now, that's not to say that I haven't been in that world. I have. And if you watch my earlier podcast, it talks about, you know, the challenges I faced, you know, tens of thousands of pounds worth of debt and the pressures that everyone I had at that point, how we lived below the breadline, you know, real hardship. We've been through it. And now we don't live in that world anymore. But the media got me really worried. And I started thinking, God, I, I need to buy this bag of crisps because it's, it's, it's 30p cheaper than that bag of crisps. And, maybe I won't put petrol in the car now, even though I need to, I'll run it a few days longer so I'll get closer to payday. And Well, I need to be careful about what I spend here. And actually, you know, I, I, I need to be a bit more savvy about our, our utility bills. But anyway, we run a pool. So, you know, our utility bills are high anyway. Um, it's a first world problem, I appreciate. But it, it got me really thinking about it. And, and here's what I, what I wanted to say, and, and, and without, without, you know, boasting or being rude or feminine, in our joint account, we've got about just over 10K in cash in our joint account. Now that's our, our, our account that we use to pay all the household bills and the money obviously comes out every month, we put money back in every month. And it sort of, you know, it, it fluctuates, but it's kind of where it is. And that's effectively our, our, our trading account, if you will, in the sense of most people, as a, as a benchmark average, are somewhere between 30 days and 60 days of money in their bank. I.e. if they stop working today, they've got something between 30 and 60 days before they run out of cash. Now, we have a lot longer than that. Yes, our bills are a lot higher, so, you know, it is more. But, you know, we, we'd be running for a good few months. We're not, we wouldn't be calculating in days, we'd be calculating in months. And that's a really good position to be in. And, you know, I, I believe everybody in the country should be in that position 
or at least comfortable enough that they know, you know, their, their jobs are secure and there's not going to be enough fluctuation and change in the economy and what's going on to scare them between 30 and 60 days. Um, but my point is, because I've got that buffer and I was worried about spending and my income potential earnings are so much higher as well than the average person, and I'm worried, what the fuck does that mean for an average person? If I've got months and months of buffer in my savings account and my earning potential is far greater than the average person and I'm scared and I'm worried and I'm thinking about it based on what I'm seeing in the media, what the fuck does the average person do? That feels so scary at just trying to make myself think in that way. felt so scary. And I blame the media for that betrayal because they're driving this thing through is it's the end of the world. Now it is worrying and it is concerning and people need to plan, I'm not saying that, but it's not the end of the world. We've been through recessions before, I've been through recessions before, both as employees and, and through sort of business ownership. So they are hard and you need to be aware of what's going on, but actually suddenly going into this kind of the sirens are going off quick, get into the basement, get into the air raid shelter, you know, we've got a few tins of spam, we're okay, is not really what I think is, is required. And part of the challenge is that what happens at the moment, the media drum is up, people are stopping spending. They have stopped spending. Now their, their income hasn't necessarily changed. Yes, the expenditure has gone up in household bills and such like that. That is a concern that the government should be fucking quashing that shit with the electric companies. That's another story. Um, but people have stopped spending. So in a business like ours, we have less customers coming through the door, which means we've got less money coming in, which means less income, which will eventually impact the bottom line of less profit. We've also got the increase of, of all the costs as well. So 30% on our electric rates or our energy rates means that you know we are now well into six-figure sums. We, we already were, but we're well into six-figure sums now. Um, you know, it costs three quarters of a million quid upwards to run a prison. Um, and a chunk of that is utilities, and a huge chunk of it now, 30% increase, like I say. So, uh, you know, we're having to deal with all that at the same time. So, less people spending, more money in the business. At the same time, with the interest rates going up, the money we borrow, things like our mortgage and such, now we have to pay more money on, which means that bottom line gets impacted even further. For a business like ours, if our business gets squeezed too tightly, we go under. That's suddenly 70 people out of work in a, not multi, multi-million pound, but a decent sized business stops operating. 70 people out of work, business stops. All those bills that we pay will stop because we're not using the services anymore. That is damaging to the economy, really damaging. But we don't scaremonger, and people will still go out and spend money. And I'm not saying people should borrow and spend beyond their means, but if you've got the cash in the bank, or you've got money to be able to go out for a meal, or take the kids to the cinema, or go bowling, or go to jump in, oh, uh, I, should get, I should get a sponsorship there, um, pay me some Or you want to go to a tourist attraction, or you want to go on holiday, or to the seaside, or buy an ice cream, whatever it is, if you've got the money, you should be able to do that guilt-free, not worrying about 
Well, can I pay the electric? Well, if I buy my child this ice cream, can I still afford to feed them next week? People shouldn't have to worry about that shit. That should not be the world we live in and certainly not the country we live in. You should be able to go and spend money on yourself and on the things you want to be able to do. Maybe not in excess, and the money you do spend, you shouldn't have to feel guilty about spending. I think that's so fucked up and the government really needs to get on top of that shit because the people that are struggling are those with less money. And I think even with interest rates going up, so lending is gonna cost more, it doesn't mean lenders are gonna lend less. Now they might do, but I'm not convinced they will. So it's going to be generally people with less money that need money more that are still going to have to borrow. So when you come to borrow, you're going to end up borrowing at a higher interest rate and therefore paying more money back. So I'm just not convinced that some of this isn't, isn't driven by the idea that, oh, we'll make lending more expensive, therefore people won't borrow as much money. Whereas actually, we'll still have borrowing, not maybe quite the same rate, but still a high rate, and the interest that's paid back is going to be even greater. That means the lenders are going to be the ones that really capitalise on this. Capitalisation being the key word there. And they're going to be the ones that benefit the most. The banks. And they're already the ones with a lot of the cash anyway. It's people at the lower ends of, of, of financial society, so poorer people with less money. That's where the support needs to go. Um, and there's multiple ways of doing it. I'm not a... a, a, a financial professionals, so I don't profess to know, know that. But what I do know is people. And I know that if you are feeling guilty about buying your kid an ice cream when you go to the beach, there's something wrong with the society and the way that we're structured and the way the government are running things and the media are portraying it because you shouldn't have to feel fucking guilty about buying your kid an ice cream. Or if I do this, can I buy food next week? Can I pay the electric? Shouldn't live in that fucking world. Next week, I'm going to do a podcast, special podcast, slightly different. I'm going to head down to site for a day next week. I'm going to chuck on my prison officer uniform. I'm going to spend the day on the front line with the teams. I'm going to spend some time with the CSAs. I'm going to spend some time with the tour guides, spend some time with the um, uh, guys in the escape rooms, with the guys in the restaurant, with the team doing axe throwing, and just wandering around chatting to customers because I want to get back onto the front line just to make sure that our mission, our vision, our values are all still very much aligned. I'm very shortly in a few weeks going to be moving out of the division completely. I want to make sure I'm still connected with where we started, what we're doing, and I just want to you know, make sure from the front line that people are happy, customers and staff alike. So, uh, and I'm in a position where I can do that. I can chuck on a different uniform and I can spend a day on site. I'm gonna grab one of the marketing team. I'm gonna get him to wander around and film me Gary V style. Um, just pick up all that day. I'll ship all the footage out to Paul. He'll edit it together. And hopefully that will be episode 16 of Entrepreneur Life. This has been episode 15 of Entrepreneur Life with me, Joel Campbell, and I am an entrepreneur.